sorry I don't love you A phrase I've grown accustomed to Cause with you if something isn't wrong Something isn't wrong Something isn't right Hey everyone, welcome to Geekdom is Back, as is Scott Fuger. Today we are talking all about vinyl. It's been a minute since we have had a music topic on here, so we are just going to sort of discuss vinyl generally speaking, because I know, Scott, both you and I have been collecting vinyl at different levels, probably. It's been quite a while since I've actually bought anything, but I do want to start with what got us into vinyl. Were you into it before the whole resurgence or was the resurgence of it sort of what got you into it? Uh, I think I was in like slightly before the resurgence. It was kind of around like maybe 2008 or 2009. I don't even really remember like how I got into it, but um, I don't know. Just I feel like I kind of grew up just past the age where like CDs were still a thing, but it was never like I never had disposable income. So it wasn't something that I you know, bought and had a connection to, you know, right. I was more of the uh, LimeWire generation, I guess. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Or if so, you had I mean, CDs, your parents bought them for you. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. So I, I think, you know, if you're going for a physical product, I think it's kind of clear why you might choose vinyl. You know, it's like the bigger packaging and, you know, kind of a even more physical medium than CDs. So I guess that was kind of the general appeal that brought me in. Yeah, and it's not something you can listen to on the go either. You know, you can pop a CD into your car, provided you have a CD player. Not, I know not all cars have them. Some still just have tapes. Not any new ones, but some cars that people have anyway. <laughs> and you sort of just have this sense of needing to kind of stay in one spot, I guess, when you're listening to vinyl. Because for me, I have my setup in my bedroom. And it's been a while since I've used it, mostly because I kept stacking things on top of my dresser and then <laughs> by default on top of my record player as well. And I was like, oh, there's there's a record player under here. Maybe I should start using that again. I finally somewhat cleared off my dresser. So we'll see if I end up using that more again soon. But for me, I seem to go through phases with it. I had some days where I was putting on a record fairly consistently. I wouldn't say necessarily every day, but I was using my record player more than I had been before. And now, you know, it's probably been at least a few months since I've used it because like I said, it was buried pretty much under stuff. <laughs> so for you, is listening to vinyl something that is a constant in your life or does it kind of come and go with in waves like it does for me? Yeah, I think I'm pretty similar to you. Um, like, you know, every once in a while when I get home or whatever, I'll throw on a record or, or making dinner or something like that. And it's just kind of nice to, you know, have, you know, kind of like do the action of taking it out, putting it on the turntable, flipping it over when you got to. Um, but it definitely comes in waves for me too. And it'll be, you know, a couple months on end every once in a while when I don't listen. Um, but I mean, I think in addition to like the listening aspect, a big part of it for me is like the collecting side of things. Um, right. So I guess that kind of takes over <laughs> some of the times when it is in the wall like that, for sure. Yeah. 
you mentioned getting into it around 2008, 2009 ish for me it was definitely something i got into a lot more in college so it was probably around 2012 give or take and it didn't really become more of a hobby so to speak until i had a job after college in 2015 i was like oh hey money i can spend this <laughs> on vinyl and my collection sort of grew then and i wouldn't say i have a big collection by any means a good chunk of the collection is just a bunch of stuff I took from my parents. I was like, oh, you guys have records and you don't listen to them. Thanks. <laughs> and obviously, I don't necessarily listen to all of those records. A lot of it's more classic rock era. And for me, I was like, okay, I can sort of pick and choose what I want to buy now. So I had more of a variety to listen to. And obviously, you can only pick and choose as far as or as long as the artists are actually releasing their stuff on vinyl. There are still plenty of artists who don't do that because it's a very expensive process to have vinyl made, especially for, you know, some of those smaller bands that you and I tend to listen to, local bands, things like that, ones who are, you know, just now getting around to doing national tours and everything. They might not have that luxury to have their records come out on vinyl right away, but it's still something that a lot of bands you and I listen to do. You know, Jimmy Eat World is a big band that a lot of people probably buy vinyl for. I know I have some. I'm sure you probably have some if you are a fan of the band. <laughs> yeah, I actually don't think I have any of their records. Um, Shame on you. I mean, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but like two of the bands that for a while I was collecting like every single variant of are like the Wonder Years and Silverstein. Right. And they, they both are like super into it, which I think is, you know, it's really cool as a fan, like Silverstein, most of the time when they go on tour, they'll have like a special tour pressing of the vinyl. Um, the Wonder Years for their most recent album, Sister Cities, they did like this huge, like picture book. Like I think it's like 300 pages or something like that as like, kind of like a box set with the vinyl and um you know it's really cool when like bands and labels can put in that extra um you know like kind of quality uh like packaging to the stuff um, i mean even like i have a bunch of alice cooper records that are kind of similar in that way like the, the album called billion dollar babies has it's like a gatefold it opens up and it has like a it's like a wallet and it even comes with like a giant, you know, like two foot wide billion dollar bill. And then like schools out opens like upwards, like a desk. And I think it actually, I don't think my copy has this, but I think new copies, the record, instead of coming in like a sleeve came in like a pair of underwear. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I've heard that. <laughs> that is definitely pretty unique. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. I mean, that's just like, going back to the kind of like collectability part of it that's you know when there are these you know kind of variations of like little things that make it that much more special than like a cd or of course more special than like just a digital file or a like click and play on a streaming service i think that's like another you know that's part of the appeal to me for sure i knew you had a band or two that you were really into collecting and I can't believe I spaced on it being the Wonder Years, but you should still <laughs> add a Jimmy Eat World record to your collection whenever you have the money and time. Yeah, I know they like the last few years they've been doing like some good represses of stuff. So I mean I don't know. Jimmy Eat World is kind of one of the bands where 
I know the singles and I'm ashamed to say that I haven't fully dived into the albums even though I know that they're like classics and I'm a bad person for not listening. Totally fine. I did not mean to make you feel bad about that. (laughs) It was just the first band that popped into my head. I was like, oh, I have a few of theirs. I'll just say them. (laughs) For sure. But yeah, actually, uh, when I moved out of my mom's house last year, I kind of sized down the Wonders and Silverstein stuff. Like I still kept, you know, like the rarest and the coolest of all of them. And I still probably have close to, I don't know, I probably have at least 50 of each of them. But uh, not quite going for the... I need every single copy of every single album anymore for them. <laughs> I'm not much of a variant collector. I mean, I will buy variants, but I will only buy one of a record pretty much. And surprisingly, I haven't accidentally bought a duplicate record. But like I said, my collection isn't all that big. My collection might literally be the extent of your entire Wonder Years collection and Silverstein <laughs> collection put together. And that's that's about it. And that's if I'm even doing rough math right because I do have my records sitting here I have two of those milk crates Mm -hmm. full and then I have like I don't know maybe 10 just sitting behind those because I have yet to find room for another crate in my room because there is literally no room for anything else in here right now so that kind of curbed my spending on the vinyl too not just leaving my job and moving back home but the fact that I just don't have room for an extensive collection you know sometimes I'll see pictures of people's collections and it's like taking up an entire wall in their room or something which I can't do that because I pretty much have an entire wall of just books in my room so it's one of those things where if you collect more than one thing it can get very difficult to have space for more than one collection and I think you know because of the whole money thing I was just like okay you know if I go to the library I can spend 75 cents on a book at their bookstore but I can't really keep spending you know anywhere from 15 to 30 dollars on a single record and some can even go higher than that and lower depending on when Amazon is having deals but it's one of those things where you know it is an expensive hobby and just the amount of money that you can not only put into buying vinyl but also getting your setup how you want it you know you can have 5.1 surround sound attached to your, you know your record player or whatever you want there there's so many different surround sound options anymore I can't even keep up 5.1 is just my go-to but you know for me I have two bookshelf speakers and a subwoofer so mine's only a 2.1 system here and that is plenty just for where I listen to it you know my room isn't all that big and because I have so much stuff in here it's like I don't really need surround sound in my room. So two bookshelf speakers and a subwoofer that is probably too big to be sitting where it's sitting is fine for now. So what is your (laughs) setup like? Because I'm always interested in sort of knowing what record players people have and everything like that. And, you know, I have a used Sony record player that's from like the 70s or 80s, probably. I don't even know what the model (laughs) number is, but it works. It's not my first one either. I had a different one and it was odd. It was, I think it was a Technics and it wasn't one of the like fancy ones that people kind of pine over. It was mm-hmm. one where you put the record in and when you close the lid, the arm automatically comes down from the lid. It was very strange and that whole thing broke. So the arm just like with the needle wasn't working properly and I couldn't play anything. I was like, uh, I bought this like 
three months ago and is already not working. And luckily, the guy just let me pay the difference for the Sony one. And I haven't had any problems with that yet. So fingers crossed. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's good, at least. I mean, there's definitely like such a, you know, wide range in terms of like quality of turntables. Yeah. Um, I actually have probably like three or four turntables in my mom's basement right now. (laughs) Good to have backups. (laughs) Because one, I mean, they... Were, I mean, most of them, you know, I started out with one that was kind of like just one of the built-in where I had the speakers built in and you right. know, really crappy. Um, and then I picked up one at a Goodwill that's like you can select the track on the record. It uses like a laser and it brings the arm out like horizontally and it like some, it doesn't work very well on like colored vinyl especially clear vinyl right. but it actually works pretty well on like the black where it like actually can select the track and I just think it's kind of cool and unique so I that's that's why I bought it and didn't want to get rid of it and then I have like another like older one that just it's like a nice looking like wooden one that probably I don't even know how good of a turntable it is or anything but I kind of am a pack rat I guess um, but my current setup is the turntables, uh, Music Hall, MMF 5.1, I think, or 2.5. I don't know what the number is. <laughs> um, but it's kind of like the budget audiophile. Um, I actually, a couple of years ago, I sold a copy of Panic at the Disco's A Fever You Can't Sweat Out. Um, okay. It was the second pressing of it, but it was before they did like a huge third pressing. Right like right before um and i saw they were going for ridiculously expensive on ebay so i uh tossed mine up and got three hundred dollars for it and used that to buy a really nice turntable <laughs> that's crazy so did you buy that one new then yeah it, it was a uh, hot topic pressing and i think it still had like the sticker on the sleeve so i paid like whatever 20 dollars, maybe 25 because hot topics a little expensive <laughs> yeah so that's why you got buku bucks for it there and when you bought the record player you know most of my setup is used so i have the used sony record player i found a used denon receiver which is a pretty good brand that you know it's one of those ones where you could rely on it for a long time and the guy at the record store just threw in a free subwoofer i was like i'm not going to complain it's not the best subwoofer (laughs) in the world but it was free so only my two polk bookshelf speakers are brand new and i think you know one year for my birthday or christmas my mom got a deal on them and it was like 50 bucks for the pair Maybe a hundred bucks. Maybe it was fifty bucks each. I don't remember, but I'm pretty sure it was closer to the fifty bucks for the pair range. And you know, it's it's held up for the time that I have used it. I mean, like I said, it's been sitting in my room for a few months. So, is your setup entirely new, or do you have some used pieces going in there with it? I got the turntable off eBay, and I think it was like a either like a store display unit or like a store return or something. Okay, so it wasn't strictly new but I mean it was like new. new yeah and then um I have a pair of pioneer bookshelf speakers those were a gift uh so those were new as well and then I got I have a I think the brand's Onkyo for like my receiver and yeah. again it's kind of like the budget audiophile type it's like a really bare bones one it doesn't have it like like I bought it because it was I just want it for the turntable for the 
and it has like the built-in preamp and everything. It doesn't have, it doesn't have like Bluetooth or anything like that. But yeah, um, my, mine doesn't either because it's so old. But <laughs> so yeah, it's like I try. I just kind of tried to get the best quality I can for the like lowest reasonable price. <laughs> yeah, I figure you know eventually I'll probably update the record player itself just because you know i have no clue how many people have owned this one before me i just bought it at a local music store and they would typically have you know three to four record players anytime you walked in there and you know the owner was super nice and everything so it was one of those things where it's like okay you know i bought it from a local shop i feel good about that same with the denon receiver and everything so you know i'm thinking when i do upgrade possibly and i mean it largely depends on how much i end up using my record player i definitely used it a lot more when i had an apartment to myself so it's one of those things where you know maybe in a moving process somewhere down the line, I'll be like, all right, time for a new record player. And I know, you know, U-Turn and Project are sort of the two go-tos as far as newer brands and everything because of the whole vinyl resurgence. It's like, you know, these companies have popped up making new record players and you can't really find some of the older companies like Sony still making record players today. So I think options are a little more limited yeah, for sure, especially for like reasonable quality ones. Like I think if you do find like a bigger brand like a Sony or whatever, I think it would be more likely to be like kind of the, you know, five or six in one that has like the speakers built in and the CD player and the tape player and Yeah. <laughs> All the things you don't need. <laughs> yeah, like I I bought one of those off eBay as like a present for my girlfriend a while ago before she was into vinyl. And I had to return it because, like, the tone arm wouldn't even, it, like, just scratched right over the vinyl. It didn't even have, like, enough weight behind it to play it well. So, but it's, I think one of the things, I think it's, like, nice that there are, like, multiple components to a vinyl setup because it kind of makes it easier to, like, upgrade little by little. Like, when I got the Onkyo receiver, it was an upgrade from literally, like, a $10 preamp and then a $10 amp that I bought off Amazon. And like the difference was, was huge. Right. Yeah. Before I bought the Denon receiver, I was running everything through this little preamp and I was like, wow, this is so much easier. And the Denon I have, it actually literally has the like phonograph input in the back, which is nice because if you look at most receivers today, they don't have that. And I was like, yeah, but then where do I plug it up to exactly? And I was like, you know what? This one has the thing I'm looking for, so I'm just going to get it. And the dude threw in a whole lot of cables with it. Some of them I still <laughs> don't know what they go to, but there's, you know, there was like speaker wire and everything. I was like, well, I already have that, so that's not a big deal. But, you know, I just have a bunch of extra cables just in case. And, you know, I can't complain about a free subwoofer, even if it's, you know, not fantastic or anything. Like, it works. That's all that matters right now. (laughs) (laughs) For sure. So as far as your collection goes, is there anything you look for in particular when you're deciding, okay, I'm just going to listen to this on a streaming service versus actually having it on vinyl? Because, you know, with the way the music industry has been lately, I have 
a few records in my possession where I'm like, you know, I don't really want these anymore, but I don't feel right selling them either. So it's just like they're sitting here and I kind of just, you know, probably will push them to the back of my milk crates and not pay attention to them as much. But for you, is there sort of a distinguishing factor between owning something on vinyl and you really wanting to listen to it versus you either just streaming it or owning it because you know maybe like some of the wonder years records you just like the variant oh i think you know like the biggest thing like the difference between listening on vinyl and listening just on streaming or whatever is really just you know convenience where i am you know if i'm at work or in the car or whatever it's obviously definitely going to be streaming um and then if it's if i'm at home you know i'm definitely more likely to put on a record i'd say if i end up listening to music um as far as what the kind of determining factor is uh, for buying, um, it's, you know, if it's a new release or whatever, I'll tend to, you know, if I can, I'll go for the rarest variant usually. Again, like kind of the collecting aspect of it. Um, and then I guess whether or not I buy something kind of comes down to a lot of time, like the price and just like how much I'm into it. Um, like, a couple of the records that I've been really into this year would be like Retirement Parties, Somewhat Literate, and Schmaltz by Spanish Love Songs. And like, you know, once it got to the point where I'm putting them on pretty much every day, I'm like, okay, I should definitely buy this on vinyl. <laughs> um, and then, you know, a, another aspect is, you know, kind of the hunt for stuff, um, which could, you know, either go for the positive or the negative as far as that cost goes. Um, you know, some of the rarer, variants or like you know older less pressed stuff you know it's fun to try to find it and it's fun to try to find a good deal for it but you might end up shelling out a bit and then you know you know some of like the classic rock stuff I have in my collection is like oh it's just at Goodwill and I saw it was a decent copy and I you know I was like oh it'd be cool to have Boston's self-titled album because the A side of that is basically perfect so I might as well pick it up. <laughs> for me I think you know, it's been a pretty mixed bag as far as what I've bought. You know, Green Day, Jimmy Eat World, The Clash, those are bands that I will listen to whenever. I don't necessarily need to be listening to those bands all the time for me to justify wanting their records on vinyl either. And then I have, you know, a Casey Musgraves album or two just because I really love that album. But then I have some where I'm kind of looking at them and I'm like, why did I buy this? I think I listened to the album maybe once or twice and I thought I really liked it and then I never ended up returning to it. So I'm like, oh, okay, that's cool. I have this. This is a thing. And I think that is part of why I sort of curbed my spending on vinyl too, because I was like, you know, I've bought a handful of records that I probably didn't really need, but more than likely I just wanted to support the band in some way and, you know, get some physical item in return. And that's likely why I purchased those albums on vinyl. But at the same time, I'm like, okay, I need to be a little smarter about this right now. So it's, I can't even tell you the last time I bought something on vinyl, honestly. And that's likely because I've been so bad at listening to music, especially new music in a timely manner. Usually I'm just playing catch up on podcasts forever and watching tv and movies now so it's like okay well one of the forms of media is going to suffer because i am spending so much time with all these other ones and it's not that i 
don't enjoy listening to new music and checking out new stuff or anything like that anymore. It's just, you know, time-wise, I only have so many hours in the day and it never seems to be enough. So that means my vinyl collection has suffered because of it too. You know, there's probably a handful of albums I would buy if I wanted to spend the money right now. You know, I really liked Paramore's album, the new Casey Musgraves album. Those would be two that I would probably definitely go seek out were I to continue buying vinyl at some point in the near future, hopefully. (laughs) For sure. Yeah. I mean, going back to what you were saying about kind of, I guess, a little bit of like the regret when or like looking at your collection thinking like, oh, do I really need this? I think one of the things that I've noticed recently is kind of like, um, like with pre-orders, I, for a while, you know, if it was a band I liked and their album was coming out and it was coming out on vinyl, I would be like, hell yeah, I'm buying it as soon as it's available, especially if it was like a rare variant, I'd be like, well, let me get this before it sells out or whatever. But now I'm definitely... I'm much more likely to, you know, listen to the music first and then make the decision, even if it means getting a less rare variant or whatever, because, I mean, in the end, the music is all the same. Um, And then also, a lot of the stuff that I look at at in my collection, I'm like, really, do I need this? Is like, I don't know, I'm a sucker for just kind of like, I guess kind of like kitschy stuff, (laughs) especially if it's, you know, at Goodwill or something. Right. So I have like a couple like, Halloween sound effects albums I have um actually listened to this for the first time like a couple weeks ago it's like the soundtrack to a Sgt. Pepper movie that starred the Bee Gees and Steve Martin and it's like pretty bad (laughs) I think I think when I uh after I got home and I googled it after buying it it was like the first album to be to like make it platinum based on the number of albums that were like returned <laughs> to suppliers uh, because the movie I guess was pretty much a horrible piece of shit um, which <laughs> is understandable because the soundtrack literally has almost every song from both Sgt. Pepper and Abbey Road so I can't imagine there was any room for plot <laughs> in, in the movie and it's the BG, so you know it can't be that great but there were there were some decent songs on there like there was like a one of the covers was like actually by like earth wind and fire and then another one was like alice cooper i think there was an aerosmith one on there and some of them were redeemable but i mean i don't know i'm kind of a sucker for just like the interesting stuff like even if it's an album i've never heard of and it has a cool cover i'll bit like buy it and then maybe never listen to it but it's a lot easier to justify when it's you know just a couple bucks for a record <laughs> Exactly. And you can always find interesting things to where it makes you think, why was this put on vinyl? But then you kind of just buy it anyway. And you have sort of the cool novelty records as well. You know, I bought the Batman the Animated Series theme song from Mondo, and it's in the shape of the Batman logo. So, you know, it's not really the most useful record, but you know, it has the opening theme to Batman the Animated Series and the end theme, and that's it. So it has like, I don't know, maybe four minutes of audio. <laughs> it's not something that is necessarily meant to be played all the time, but I was like, it is in the shape of the Batman logo. So I am going to have to get this. And then unfortunately, because the bat ears were so pointy, it poked holes in the packaging. And I was like, oh, cool. 
All right. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's a concern when you have these sharp edges on your vinyl instead of it being a nice circle. But Mondo definitely does a lot more in that vein. You know, they'll put out these special releases. And I think those aren't obviously as popular, but people will buy those just to have them, which is exactly what I did. You know, I probably spent like 35 or 40 bucks to have four minutes worth of audio <laughs> in the shape of the Batman logo. So, you know, it. I, I'd say that's probably my biggest vinyl purchase, which, as you know, that's not really all that big at all in comparison to some other things. You know, like you said, someone bought your Panic at the Disco record for 300 bucks. So <laughs> I have never spent that much on a record. But every once in a while, you have to make these exceptions for things that you really feel like you will love regardless of how often they end up being played. You know, that's something you could like frame it and put it up and it would look cool. For sure. Yeah. I mean, I think it's because vinyl is like still such a like niche thing, no matter how like how much it's resurging and stuff, it's still like, you know, comparatively extremely small. I think that really lends itself to, you know, these companies that are able to either find this really like obscure music to press or like, you know, if they kind of find their little area, like how Mondo does with all their like soundtracks and stuff. And they, you know, they're known for like really high quality and really awesome packaging and stuff. Um, I think it really, you know, it's like an extra incentive if you find, you know, the small group of people and you find out how to please them, then, you know, you can end up being pretty profitable, even though it's not like this crazy huge, like selling hundreds of thousands of records or anything like that. I totally agree. It's something that, you know, like I said earlier, it's expensive, but when you can afford to do it, it's a really cool experience, not only for the artists, but for the fans too, you know, you and I are people who, if we really, really like something, we'll go buy it on vinyl. And while I have not been doing that as much lately, you know, I have a bunch of the Clash records. I have quite a few of the Jimmy World records, and I've lost count of which Green Day ones I have just because they have, <laughs> they have a larger discography than I think most people realize. Sometimes it's larger than I realize. I'm like, oh, they have this many albums? Are we sure? And then, <laughs> you know, there are some that I won't be buying on vinyl. I don't even know if Uno, Dos, and Trey were released on vinyl. I think they were. I'm pretty sure. I had, Green Day is one of the ones, it's like I would love to have their albums on vinyl, but they tend to skew on the more expensive side. And I'm like, I guess I could just listen to it on my phone. <laughs> yeah, I think American Idiot was another one of the pricier albums that I bought I but I still think it was only 30 or 35 bucks it was a record store day edition of it and I was like you know I kind of really want this so it's one of those albums that you know it just came out sort of at the right time for me and I was like yes this is Green Day we're good this, yeah this is sure. like the album <laughs> to have on vinyl and obviously Dookie and Nimrod and those albums are great too I probably have those i think i have at least one or both of those if i'm not mistaken i could probably just look my records are literally almost within arm's reach but <laughs> i also have stuff stacked on my records just papers though nothing that can harm them or squash them just a few papers i think for me you know it's a tough decision to make when you are buying vinyl because it's like okay a lot of times you'll have 
different variants and some variants will be more expensive than others, which I'm not a huge fan of, but I guess I kind of get why you have to do that. But more often than not, I'm just like, I don't want to spend more money than I have to. So here's the boring black vinyl. (laughs) I don't, obviously you have been more inclined to spend on variants, especially for certain bands. But would you say most of your buying happens online these days? Or do you still, you know, go out to stores looking for records? Right now, I don't really have a record store that's too terribly close to me. There's a skate shop maybe eight, ten miles away that has a record section. And then there's a record store, the one where I bought the Denon and the American Idiot copy. And I want to say that's probably eight miles from me. It's There aren't really any record stores that I'm aware of in the city I actually live in. So it's not something I'm, you know, passing on a weekly basis to where I would be inclined to stop. So for you, do you find yourself seeking out these albums in person or does a lot of your shopping happen online like it does for me? Yeah, I'd say the majority of it for sure is online. There's like one record store that it's good for like the type of music that we listen to called Red Squirrel Records. Um, and, you know, I'll every once in a while I'll go there um, or there's a there's one that's another one that's like pretty good. That's kind of like probably like an hour away from me. Or, you know, if I'm, you know, if I'm going down to Philly or, you know, traveling wherever, I'll try to make it a point to see if they have any record stores. Um, I think I tend to not really buy at a record store even when I go in there. It's usually more just to browse for fun and to see, you know, just on the off chance there's something that I really want. Um, But overall, I'm pretty, I feel like I'm pretty picky with the albums that I get. Um, So, you know. Lots of times it'll be, especially if it's like I'm looking for a particular variant or a particular pressing or whatever. Right. And I'll be, it'll tend to be like Discogs or like a Facebook group or eBay or whatever. I actually uh, just got screwed on eBay today. I got, first of all, it was supposed to be the 2014 mono repress of the Beatles Revolver. Uh, It came in a bubble wrap mailer, which is a huge Nova vinyl, of course. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't the 2014 repress, which I should have seen based on the pictures. There was like writing on it and stuff, but so the jacket wasn't even together at all. It was like it kind of just like flipped open, and like all the seams were totally broken. And then the record wasn't in a sleeve, and it's not even Revolver. <laughs> it's like some other random Beatles compilation of early stuff. So definitely, especially when you're looking at like used stuff, there's always that sort of risk involved um especially when you know either it's just like a random person that got stuff from someone who died or like whatever like someone just gave it to them to see if they wanted or to see if they wanted to sell it or you know kind of novice people like that um it tends it's sometimes kind of risky but i think overall between this what just happened with the revolver and like one time i got a cracked record from that sent from the uk I think those are kind of the only times I've really had any major issues. Um, and then also back to what you were talking about, about like variants before. Um, I just want to say that I'm so glad for a while this was a thing and it seems to have mostly died out. And I'm so glad um, having it be a requirement to 
buy like a super expensive bundle in order to get the rarest variant right like i know i think like one of the wonder years records and definitely a couple silver scene records it was like you gotta buy the hoodie the poster the record the cd and it's like 250 dollars by the time you're done yeah. <laughs> i was like please no i'd rather i mean i still think it's kind of ridiculous when it's like five dollars more for the rare variant but it's like that's at least a little more understandable right you know, if you press something in smaller numbers then it'll tend to be more expensive or whatever but so i'm really glad that that trend kind of went to the wayside i mean there were a couple times i bit the bullet a little bit but luckily i never had to buy any of those like multi-hundred dollar packages i think the most i spent was like 80 or something and then at least the hoodie that i got with it was like really comfortable <laughs> You mentioned Green Day being one of those bands that has vinyl that falls on the more expensive side, and I definitely know what you mean because I saw them at Temple in Philly, and I went over to their merch table, and it wasn't even the vinyl in general. I honestly can't recall if they did have vinyl there, but their merch was just so expensive in general. I was like, no, I will not pay $35 for a (laughs) t-shirt, and... It's one of those things where when it's a bigger band, they're more likely to be able to get away with stuff like that. But for, you know, bands the size of The Wonder Years and Silverstein, while they're still big bands within, you know, their scenes and everything, I think it's great for them to realize, hey, if we give them the option to buy the rare variant outside of a bundle, it's still going to sell for them. You know, you can still do bundles with the rare variant if you want but i feel like you should still offer it as a standalone product because you can probably sell out more quickly with that variant that way and like you said even if it's you know five dollars more sometimes maybe even ten dollars more depending on how many they had made for it it's like okay do you really want to force your your fans to pay two hundred dollars for this ginormous bundle when you can sort of just give them smaller options or even standalone options. For sure. Yeah. And it's also, it's like kind of backwards that, you know, the more popular bands tend to be the more expensive stuff because it's like... They're printing at such a higher quantity, you would think. Yeah, they print so many more. It's like the price per unit goes down for sure. And it's like, but I mean, you know, if people, they're popular enough that people will buy it, people will buy it. And it's actually, you know, recently I started... uh following like this vinyl deals subreddit and i think there's like a facebook group that i follow as well that you know it'll mostly like amazon stuff will like randomly have crazy price drops so it's like the more popular stuff like that is also more likely to you know you could you could get a really good deal if you time it right so it's a little bit of a give and take i guess but it it sucks for bands that are smaller and really struggling to press the vinyl but then you know if it's thirty dollars then no one's gonna buy it so it's like kind of a hard position for sure for like smaller bands like that. Yeah, definitely. I think one of the things we still have left to discuss is in general, you know, the idea that sound quality is better on vinyl, which isn't always the case pretty much. So it's one of those things where it's this thing people have heard over the years and they sort of just started to believe it without actually taking the time to listen to like mp3s versus vinyl i guess (laughs) but you know vinyl is definitely a different feel and i wouldn't say that any of the newer records that i have on vinyl sound 
bad. You know, you still get that little crackle here and there, but that sort of just comes with the territory when you're listening to vinyl. And it just adds to the experience. You know, listening to vinyl is an experience in a different way that listening to something on Spotify or Apple Music is. And I think that's why people get into vinyl. It's not because it sounds better. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it definitely like has the potential to sound better. Like, um, going back to the Beatles, like the represses that they did for the mono ones specifically were like, taken directly from the master tapes like analog all analog of like all that spiel that you know sometimes kind of ends up being a little bit gimmicky but like the copy of sergeant pepper that i have that's in mono you know it sounds amazing and like i've seen online people say like compare it to like the first pressing of it which is pretty crazy and then it's like you know stuff like 180 gram is really kind of more gimmicky i mean i think I think that speaks to more like the longevity of the vinyl potentially, like the thicker it is, obviously the less it'll potentially warp and stuff. Um, but as far as sound quality, I don't think it's as big of a factor as other people act, but act like. Um, but I mean, also if you're, if it's like you're picking up a seven inch from your local hardcore band, it sounds like shit, even the digital version. <laughs> um, and, you know, people tend to, you know, I think if you, are invested in vinyl you'll tend to have like a slightly better setup than you do like i think most people at least our age especially don't necessarily have like an actual like speaker setup for cds or for or they won't be like you know downloading like flack or wave files they'll be having they'll be like on streaming or mp3s so i mean just kind of inherently you know because you have a better setup and because it's kind of a better product it'll tend to sound better but um you know, it's not necessarily always better. <laughs> yeah, I think people need to be a little more informed about vinyl sometimes just because you can hear so many different things. And, you know, I think one of the biggest things that people draw that people have an issue with is when someone says vinyls <laughs> and, you know, it it looks correct when you see it on paper or something because it's like, hey, it's a plural, add an S. But when you say it, it just sounds so wrong and I think you know the diehard vinyl collectors or you know people who are music nerds like the two of us we're like no it's it's vinyl you know and <laughs> while that isn't obviously a big deal in the grand scheme of things it's one of those things where you can tell there are people who sort of just want vinyl because it's cool and who want vinyl because they actually enjoy vinyl and you know I think that shows in the fact that vinyl is being sold at a place like Urban Outfitters and they're selling, you know, like the bad Crosby or Crosley. I can't even remember. Crosley. That sounds, yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> they're selling those record players and they're just kind of going to destroy your records. And then you had, you know, these vinyl services popping up where they send you X amount of records a month and then you know those had their own set of issues because they were trying to do something to make it seem like oh you're going to get a bunch of cool vinyl and then they were not sending a bunch of cool vinyl <laughs> so I think you know if people are going to get into collecting records there are certain people you can ask to sort of get a better idea of what you should be doing, how you should be taking care of your vinyl and everything like that. And for anyone who is interested in collecting and hasn't started collecting yet, you know, if you have a rec record store nearby, just go ask the person who works there. 
they've probably been into vinyl way longer than some of us have been alive. So, <laughs> you know, they're going to know what you can and can't do with vinyl, what players are good, what players are bad, you know, what speakers would sound good in certain rooms and everything like that. And, you know, while it's something where you can just hook up a Crosley and use whatever built-in speakers that, you know, if you want to do that, that's fine. That's not going to give you the best experience you can have, though. For sure. Yeah. I mean, like any kind of fandom and enjoyment of music is like perfectly valid, but, you know, definitely, especially with vinyl, you know, there's, there are so many like little peculiar like things about it that can, you know, vastly change your experience with it. And, you know, if you're one of the people who's like seeking to get like something really great out of it, you know, it does take a little bit more effort, but it can definitely be rewarding as well. Absolutely. Well, is there anything left that we have not touched on that you want to bring up or are we good to wrap this up i think that's about it i I don't know i just like i said i just love the format and between like the collection aspect of it and the listening aspect of it and like the experience of it i just it's something that I've been really into for a while and I don't see that changing. (laughs) I'm just kind of a nerd who loves to hear about other people's setups and how they do things. So it was really great getting to talk to someone else about this because, you know, I don't think there are going to be any two vinyl setups that are the same as far as the record player, the receiver and the speakers go and everything like that, unless you literally shop at the same place as someone else and you both buy the same exact stuff you know but the likelihood is fairly slim when you're just talking in a general sense about vinyl collectors and you know like I said my collection isn't very big but I do like a lot of the records that I have you know like we said some not so much anymore and (laughs) you know it's kind of tough figuring out what to do with those but you can do this whatever way you want and I think that's what makes it so fun because you know like I said I'm a nerd about setups you know I love seeing people's home screens on their iPhones I'm like ooh, what do you have on there (laughs) what's in your dock (laughs) and you know it's something that I think a lot of people feel the same way they kind of just they don't necessarily want to compare and be like oh you know my setup's better than yours blah 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 it's just a genuine interest in how people listen to music and I think that really comes out with vinyl collectors although you do have your audiophile snobs who are like you know no you're not doing this right and those people make it a little less fun but for the most part I think people like ourselves are just doing it to have fun with it you know it's a different way to experience music and enjoy it yeah I think overall it's definitely a pretty like welcoming community for sure (laughs) absolutely well thank you so much Scott for coming on to talk about this like I said it had been a while since I had talked about music but I know you and I always have stuff in common to talk about we are going to work out some more topics here pretty soon hopefully (laughs) (laughs) sounds like a plan thanks for having me Of course, and to our listeners, as always, thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoy the rest of your day.